1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May third. Rated PG thirteen. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: You're listening to That Chelsea Podcast, Episode 78, King Kai Saves the Day. Mm Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, the home of the Sanction Blues. I'm joined, as always,
0: by Jack Davies. How are we doing, sir? Yeah, yeah, I'm all good, mate. Been a pretty stressful week following uh, Chelsea and hearing all the news, but we've uh, topped off with two good results and a good end to the weekend. So happy days, really. Yeah, no,
2: exactly. It's just another normal week, Chelsea. You know, you've not really missed anything, people. Um, and returning to the podcast, he always joins us when we win games of football. So that's a nice, that's nice in this, uh, in this world of uncertainty. Uh, RJ, it's Art RJ, good things. RJ, my man, how are we doing?
1: Yeah, not too bad, Nick. And it's good to be back on. We've got Jack here, of course. It's always a pleasure to have the whole band back together. And like you said, I've got a pretty much 100% strike right now. So I don't know, based on my logic, it sounds like I should be on here more often, but just <laughs> another week in the Chelsea universe yeah no exactly exactly as i always do with guests i get them to give
2: themselves a plug so rj why don't you tell the good people of this podcast where they can find all your work for the ift pod etc
1: sure thanks nick and um, so obviously my handle is at rj underscore at it's underscore good things actually sorry so and the work i do is for talk chelsea i also do my own show with a couple of friends from the it's a football thing podcast we run our show twice a week and we talk all things premier league and i obviously represent the chelsea side of things so yeah great to be back on
2: lovely stuff RJ. And i'll say all those links will be in the description below so make sure you guys check them out right uh you know it's been a bit crazy sort of week off the pitch uh Rome was sanctioned. Uh, you know, our assets were were frozen. That famous, you know, take a look at my frozen assets sticker. So I'm glad a We gave out was quite funny. Um, but it was it was a, a week of uncertainty. And, you know, generally not sure. Like, the game's going ahead. Sponsors pulling out left and right. Uh, Jack, how have you kind of just uh, dealt with this
0: this last week? Uh, I think you just have to take it all in your stride, really, and just yeah, take it. Take every day as it comes. At the moment, being a Chelsea fan. All I'm all I'm getting all the time is a new Sky Sports notification coming through. This is happening. Roman's been uh, disqualifying from, from directorship. This has happened. This has happened. Just seems never ending. So uh, hopefully there'll be some sort of resolution to it sooner rather than later. Um, I personally think something will happen in the next in the next week or so. Hopefully, anyway. Um, but. Yeah, I mean there's not much we can say about it really is there. We just yeah, you just got to take it in your strides and and the club will go on um as much as we're seeing stories that we could if <laughs> we don't have many days left uh, till the money runs out but we'll we'll go on and as a fan if we if we're in League 2, League 1 doing Doncaster away next year, I'll be there whatever. So, uh you just got to keep following the Chelsea family. Yeah, no, exactly. Ultimately, there's not a huge amount
2: we can do. We've just got to sit back and just hope that, you know, it can all be be sorted peacefully. And yeah, we'll just uh, have, to, have to wait and see and what will we'll be will be. But, you know, in the meantime, we've just got to basically just focus on supporting the boys when they play their matches and they're doing a brilliant job amidst the adversity. Uh, we'll start on Thursday night. Chelsea went to Norwich. 1-3-1. Um, RJ, quite, quite a, I guess a weird game in a way. It was one, I guess, where we went 2-0 up early on. We scored two, you know, we were in complete control. Uh, probably, again, just guilty of not killing that game off. And then I guess getting a bit complacent and making it harder for ourselves before eventually just getting over line. But just your kind of thoughts, how do you kind of see that game? Because obviously that was in amongst, you know, a day where, you know, s- sponsors were pulling out, etc. free, you know, uh, suspended air, temporary suspended air partnership with such. So how did you kind of just, what did you kind of make of that whole Norwich game?
1: I thought the boys responded very well. It was obviously hot off the press, all the news. And actually, I felt quite sympathetic for Tuchel and, and the rest of the squad just because they had to quickly pivot from the clubs in crisis mode to, oh, we've actually got to do our day jobs or night jobs and actually go out there and, and deliver what we're paid to do. So look, professionally speaking, I thought the boys did a very good job in, in being able just to put the external noise to the side And and actually started the game off in great fashion. You know, we we got a couple of early goals. We were in a commanding position. But as has been a theme for us in recent seasons, that we're just not quite ruthless enough to put the foot on the throttle when we are in a good moment, momentum-wise. So it was another cheap goal we gave away through another lapse in concentration, which we almost did again as a sneak preview for the Newcastle game. But... Fortunately, we were able to, once we did concede, go and get that third goal and ultimately walk away with a hugely character building three points. So, couldn't be prouder given the context.
0: Yeah, no,
2: exactly. Goal scorers Trevor Chalabar, Mason Mount,
1: and Kai Habitson, or Mason Mount.
2: Mace amount four goals and two assists v Norwich in 2021 22. So that's six goal contributions. Can just third Chelsea player to be involved in six goals against an opponent in a single Premier League season after Frank Lampard v Aston Villa in 2009 10 also got six and Diego Costa v Swansea in 2014 15 six as well. So you know it was nice to see you know Mace sort of look a bit back to, to what we know he is capable of. Obviously, been a you know a bit of a disappointing few weeks for him. Um, it was nice to see him do well and again Kai Havertz got a lovely goal as well, which we will get onto as well, because he was the hero against Newcastle. But I say, just Jack, quick thoughts on Norwich. You know, obviously at the time that made it four wins in row. And I guess it was just one of those, look, Norwich are more than likely going down. You know, you could kind of see why they're in the position they're in. I guess it's just one of those, look, credit to the boys. The result of the now is just, you know, basically just about results now to the end of the season. And they got the job done fairly, fairly comfortably yes, in the end.
0: Yeah, comfortably enough in the end, I think. Um yeah, we can all see why Norwich are in and amongst that relegation battle, um, and why they're why they're such a yo-yo club. But yeah, it's just one of those where it's a, I'd just call it a routine win at the end of the day, one that we're expecting to win uh, in this in this run of fixtures. And yeah, the boys obviously handled it very well considering all the news uh, in the in the few hours leading up to kick off, etc. That can't be. Uh, can't be easy to prepare yourself uh, like you regularly do for a big game, so um, credit to the boys there, but it's a game we should be winning um, at the end of the day, and it's just, yeah, three points that we should have got, we got them, and then, yeah, move on to the next one.
2: Yeah, knows that we'd only spent too long on Norwich, which is why we're going to move on to the Newcastle game. You know, it was one team operating under a special license, the other to free to do what it was like. It was the moral ambiguity derby, ladies and gentlemen. The richest team in the land versus the poorest team in the land, Chelsea, Newcastle. So it was a shock that the poorest team of the land won. Uh, that was thanks to Kai Havertz. Uh, The game itself was pretty, pretty dull to watch. I must say I was there today and it was not the most exciting game, but our hero was that of Kai Havertz, 43 touches, seven in the opposition box, 17 of 21 passes completed, one chance created. He had all three of Chelsea's shots on target. That was his 20th goal for Chelsea, six of which have been in his last seven games. and Obviously that's his sixth Premier League goal of the season as well, obviously against Norwich, he surpassed last season's Premier League total. And obviously again, he's, you know, just building on. But um, RJ, Kai Havertz, you know, he is, I guess, Chelsea's man of the moment right now. Uh, just some quick thoughts on his performances. Obviously, he's had four goals in his last, uh, yeah, four goals in his last three games for Chelsea because he got brace at Burnley last weekend as well. So, just your kind of
1: thoughts on Kai? Yeah, look, I think you summed it up nicely at the start where you said the game was kind of dull all over because, just being totally frank, I thought the performance itself wasn't really. Interesting or intriguing in any sense of the word. And I thought Newcastle had a role to play in that in terms of the way they just frustrated and managed to disrupt any real rhythm from our, our style of play. I thought, again, dominated the ball, didn't really create any purposeful possession out of it or any meaningful chances apart from one or two. But in terms of Kai specifically, as you mentioned, I thought, look, there were times where he was trying to get himself involved as a traditional number 9. He locked horns on a couple of occasions with, you know, Dan Burn and we also we all sort the big moment that was involved with that, which just my quick thoughts on that, I didn't think that was a red card worthy challenge. I, I'm starting to get a little bit frustrated with the perhaps not so, you know, even commentary. I'm getting a little bit disappointed with the fact that Perhaps there is a little bit of an inner bias towards trying to treat treat Chelsea a little bit differently, and in that instance there was a perfect example where, yes, he caught him with the elbow, but he's trying to just jump for the ball. He had eyes on the ball the whole time. There's no intent there. You can well, we can only judge it by what we see, but it didn't look like he went in there swinging arm. Um, definitely not the same as a Sadio Mane recently, that's for sure. And they made it a little bit more of it than what it was. So I'm just happy the fact that he was hungry enough to get. Aggressive and trying to be a traditional number nine. There were moments where he looked a little bit off it at times, but that's the same with the rest of his teammates. But he found himself in good positions as well. Before the goal, he got on the got on the end of a very nice Z-H cross. Unfortunately, his header was just too straight and went straight into the Bratfka's hands. And then his goal, what do we say about that? First of all, the pass was phenomenal, but the fact that he was able to run into that space take one touch and finish it off all in basically one move was just just a credit to just how far he's come because I've had my doubts I thought he's a quality player we haven't seen enough end product based on how the end of last season was wrapping up but over the last month or so he's really starting to come into his own now and more importantly he's starting to recognize where his proper position is because I've had my suspicions as to what his best fit is but Long may he's good run of goal scoring continue. Yep, yeah,
2: no, exactly. Dan got burned as Chelsea managed to <laughs> to find a way through. No, exactly. It was brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. It was brilliant from Kai. And look, as I said, I mentioned on the pod last week, Jan, but you know, after we'd scored four against Burnley, I sort of set him. I like, look, I want Kai to get double figures. You know, I want him to get ten Premier League goals now. And they said, since that pod, he scored two more goals, and he's on six Premier League goals. You know, as I say, he surpassed last season total, and there's ten Premier League games left. So if he can keep this form up, then there's no reason why he can't get to double figures. And again, we're just, you know, he's, we're seeing, sort of, we're starting to see signs, perhaps more consistent signs, though, than we were last year, because say this is a fairly good, consistent run of form from Kai Avertz. But, Jack, obviously, that goal does not come about without the brilliant passing of Jorginho, the bloke who, you know, many of us only fought past sideways. Well, he chatted his intercessant gas <laughs> there. S- that was beautiful. It was, yeah. Honestly, he was like, bro, you, you know, you could switch back the two players. You know, you'd have thought it was Fabregas laying off to, to Costa, you know. George, yeah, it was it was beautiful to watch, but just a word, I guess, for, for that Jorginho, you know, ball, because that's, you know, at the end, you know, that's the ball that, that really wins us that game.
0: Yeah, phenomenal. I mean, he played the quick one-two with Rudiger, sort of dropped back a couple of yards to create that space to take the touch out. And then, yeah, the, the, the uh, precision on that pass is just... Second to none, and he puts it. No, I wouldn't say puts it on a plate for Kai Havertz because the touch, the touch that he makes and the finish he, he uh, has is just exquisite. But the pass was was phenomenal, and yeah, it's a moment of class that, at the end of the day, two or two moments of class that win us win us that game at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, no, Zali, his second assist in the Premier League this season, so not a bad time to get one. I said no, it was all it was all good, and then yes, you kind of saw the emotion. Yeah, pouring Thomas Tuchel, uh, you know, full-time as well in that game. And it just felt a really, really big win for Chelsea. Because that was Chelsea's, you know, Chelsea won five Premier League games in a row. Something they have not done all season. And it's its kind of sort of mad we're talking about this this Chelsea side where... For for however good they've been this season, they've not won five Premier League games in a row, and we've won five Premier League games in a row in possibly the most chaotic time period at Chelsea that I can that I can remember for a while. So I think it, such oh, a Chelsea oh. thing,
1: exactly, yeah.
2: exactly. That's the only way to describe it, really, RJ. It is, it is just such a Chelsea thing. And no, look, it was brilliant. Obviously, you know, today wasn't, you know, perfect. We can't, uh, you know, just say, you know, it was, it was good because it it wasn't really. Um, I'm going to be brutally honest. That left hand side was horrible to watch are on that left back. <laughs> Mason didn't have his best game, unfortunately. And Timo Werner, he was sort of like a lost puppy out there for 60 minutes. Um <laughs> unfortunately, it just was not his day. Um, yeah, it was one of those, it was it was tough to watch Chelsea again, just too slow, laborious in possession, really, probably didn't take enough risks. Um Trev has been shaky the last two games. You know, he got obviously got his goal against Norwich. He was shaky, you know, today I mean, as said there's, you know, there's a debate for penalty. I'm not saying I've, I wasn't as convinced as others it was a penalty, but at the same time, you know, you've seen those type given, and I think there is a sense that we maybe maybe got away with one, um, and maybe there's a slight, you know, slight nervousness, but Trev does like to sort of maybe dive in a bit in the penalty box, which is always going to leave you a bit high in the mouth. But again, I think we're sort of looking, you know, that's really trying to find, you know, some negatives, because again, that was another clean sheet for Eddie Mendy. He didn't have a huge amount to do, but he made two important saves, big save from Amaron just before our time then saved a, a, a header. Uh, late on in that game as well. And in general, you know, Chelsea, you know, I actually think after we went 1-0 up, it was very late, but really went up those last four minutes. I mean, Jack, in terms of game management, that was pretty perfect because Newcastle didn't really, you know, touch the ball again after we scored. Uh, We controlled the ball really well. Kante just seemed to go up another level in those four minutes. We'd had a pretty ordinary-ish game before that. And obviously we nearly, you know, got a second at the end there. Just, I guess, a word just, you know, for that game management at the end from us
0: yes exactly what you what you need uh need from your team in those moments you can you've seen teams this season um I think to that Leicester Spurs game they concede a late a late goal and and that should be that that should be the equalizer and then they give the ball away again and concede another one so they've gone from winning the game to losing it in the space of a couple of minutes so those kind of things can easily happen in a game but yeah like you said nick today just yeah, controlled the game for those last few minutes. They didn't really get a touch of the ball at all, and that's that's how you want to kill games at the end of the day and take the sting out of it. So, yeah, we 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 did well. I'd I'd say as well though. I know we were slow on the ball, etc. Today, but I think the way Newcastle set themselves up to match us up, um, that that helped them to sort of close all the space that we could have created through our. Creative players, so fair play to them for
2: that. Yeah, no, that look honestly. Newcastle, fair play. They frustrated us. Any what they were doing, I think you know they didn't really leave their half. Their time wasting was immaculate. Um <laughs> uh But you know, I guess it, it came back to bite them that they only had four minutes added on to to try and get a, a late goal. But look, again, you also we've got to say this is and this was a Newcastle side that hadn't lost for ages. They were in better form than we were. Uh, so I think mm. you know some credit needs to go to, and I said five wins in a row, it is no easy feat. So no, it was a very positive, positive day. And again, as a day where Chelsea took a giant leap towards securing top four. We're on 59 points now from, from 28 games. There's 10 games to go. Next up in the league is Brentford. You know, there's some games. We've got games coming up where I said, I think a while ago, I think I said, we've, when we were going through that tricky period after, you know, we in January, et cetera, for sort of the Brighton game onwards, that was the chance for us, you know, the games we had in that period to really try and secure top four. And, you know, since, you know, since that Brighton game, where we drew one, all we won five in a row and all of a sudden, you know, our top four position from looking at a position where there was a chance that rivals could overtake us with games in hand. Uh, we're now in a period where we're, we're comfortably clear of fifth place. And we've, you know, in fact, we've got a game in hand on fifth place. And if we win that, we go 12 points clear of them. So, Things, look, things are looking you know, fairly good and hopefully, fingers crossed, we're in for a relatively calm and less stressful end to the Premier League season. We're going to move on to listener questions. First question comes in from Connacht. What's happened off, off the pitch doesn't seem to have lured these players' spirits, as we can see from the games recently. Do you think it has maybe galvanised the team more or is it because of Tuchel? The impact on the team performance has been minimal. RJ, I'll go to you first on that one.
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Connor. And... I had a similar question as well for uh, for another show, but I just wanted to get their views on it because this could have went one of two ways these could have really this could have really tanked the the spirits of the squad and too cool. there could have been a really um, different attitude the way they've approached these games being a little bit more. We're we're, we're victims here and have that really defeatist mentality that, oh, we can't really help the surroundings and that's going to reflect in our performances and to an extent us fans and those watching would be able to somewhat empathise or sympathise with the situation. But rather than taking that direction, they've gone and taken the other way, which I commend fully, which is we can't control the things we can't control, but for the things we can control, we can do our absolute best acknowledging that we're humans at the end of the day. And I think to Conor's question, what do we attribute that to? I would say, to be honest with with myself, I think it's a bit of a combination of Tuchel being the, the really sharp motivator he is, the really astute professional in knowing how to tap into the psyche of his players, but equally just the inherent professionalism of this Chelsea squad. We've also got to appreciate that, before this astonishing set of circumstances, the players have have done really, really well in recent times to be able to harness all of the negative energy and come stronger as a unit through the fact that, let's let's rewind the clock back to when Thomas Tuchel took over. He was in a bit of a dark time for the club based on form. Club legend, my favourite Super Frank was gone. There was a lot of disharmony in the group as was reported. And then they went on, improved their league form, won the Champions League, won some big trophies after that. And every time they've encountered some major difficulties, they've been able to respond in an emphatic fashion. So this is the latest feather in the bow in terms of that. So look, overall, in short, it's both Thomas Tuchel's effect because he's been brilliant, but equally, the players also deserve a lot of praise because they're the ones at the end of the day that have to take to the field. And when times get tough, you can either get going or you can go hide in a corner, but they certainly didn't shirk away from their responsibility. So fingers crossed they continue to galvanise all this external noise and, and help us win some more success this season.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Look, this, these players have done, you know, really well. Not that's something you said Kai, you know, said afterwards, you know, for the fans, you know, they've got to try and, you know, because obviously I guess there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, for fans as well at this point, as we said, you know, Chelsea suspended from selling match tickets etc. A lot of fans, we don't know when, you know, there's a few games maybe still left to go to, but we'll maybe get all of them, etc. And it is You know, there's just a sense of, you know, unknown, I think for the Chelsea fans, this has been, you know, a tough time. But also, when we talk about Thomas Tuchel, Jack, I'll, I'll kind of go, you this is uh, sort of an extension question, but look, Thomas Tuchel, again, he's quoted after this game. My last information is we have a plane for Lille and we can go by plane and come back by plane. If we if, if not, we go by train. If not, by bus. And if not, I will drive a seven-seater. seven-seater. I mean, this man has faced a ridiculous amount in just over a year and a bit in charge of Chelsea. He took over, obviously, coming over. The club was, you know, a lot of fans were disillusioned. Guy that Frank had gone. You know, he had to take over and replace the most popular man in Chelsea history, arguably. he Then, you know, when things were going quite well, then, boom, here's a Super League. Oh, here's how you deal with that. <laughs> um, he's, he's had to deal with COVID. He's had to deal with injuries. I mean, he's had to deal with, you know, Ch- Roman and Brambridge getting sanctioned, Chelsea, you know, being up the sale funds being cut off etc and throughout all of this he has just been Thomas Tuchel he's been calm he's been professional and he's actually sort of always been able to make a bit light of it just been like yeah you know we'll just we'll, yeah, day by day we'll just see how it goes if it needs to be I'll I'll do so I guess it just shows that he he really you know he gets obviously you know the wider picture at hand and what's going on well but also he just knows that as I said you just control the control as RJ was saying you can't control the uncontrollables and you've just got to got to do our thing but has my sort of follow-up question this is has Thomas has Thomas Tuchel obviously what he's done on the pitch has been brilliant but has the way he's handled himself sort of off pitch and all this actually probably like propelled him like higher up in like standing for you and like possibly even going because a lot of people I've been seeing on Twitter and a lot of people are saying Thomas Tuchel is their favorite Chelsea manager of all time which again you'd think is a really big statement but I guess just seeing all the you know the discourse around him just like he just I think we've got to use this now as a there's a chance to sort of praise Thomas Ducal because what he's done, you know, we know the results on the pitch are as well, but just the way he's yeah. himself off the pitch as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's probably thought all of this uh, coming over the last few weeks, as well as many other things over the past year, he's probably thought I didn't sign up for this when I signed that contract at the start. But yeah, I think it's just testament to him as a person and, and how clever he is, how he's been able to answer these difficult questions from people. You've seen it in the media rooms, uh, the Sky Sports news presenters, all these people throwing these questions at a man who is just speaking for the club. He's not a chief executive. He's not on the board of directors. He doesn't, he doesn't know the, the ins and outs exactly of what is going on behind the scenes at this club. But he's answered answered all of these questions impeccably, and like you said, I think yeah, he's definitely definitely gone up in my estimations, and I'm sure he's gone up in a lot of other fans' estimations for for the way he's done that, and he's um yeah he yeah I think you there's you can't really put it in any other way, but he's just handled the situation so well and. That combined with with results on the pitch over the last eighteen months, no wonder all the fans are saying we can't let this man go because um, yeah, he's just been top notch. And if it continues, he he definitely will be up there as one of one of the best managers from how it's been going so far.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. I said you asked most people the one asset Chelsea can't afford to lose. Beta, I think everyone would say Thomas Tuchel, but pretty much any best players, which I guess is just the biggest sign that he is really, really special. And we've seen, you know, the media have been desperate to try and push Thomas Tuchel to Man United. We've seen, you know, stupid stories. Thomas Tuchel is the only good thing at Chelsea Football Club. Um, some of those <laughs> stories, you know, completely just ignoring the work, the likes of Reese James, Mason Mount, all their charity stuff, Mateo Kovacic, et cetera, with his foundation, all this lot. In general, the media has not been, you know, very kind towards Chelsea in the last week or two. And I think, you know, they've been kind of using what's been going on as an opportunity to really, you know, get their Chelsea agendas out there. But look, they still love Thomas Tuchel. And if they love, you know, despite all this, they love Thomas Tuchel. But obviously he must be a really special man and doing something right. So, as I said, uh, what's been going on on the pitch? Like honestly, I was, again, It was one of those feelings today just at full time, just like really proud. It was a really horrendous game to watch. It was really horrible game to watch. But just that feeling, just outpouring. As I said, it was just an outpouring at full time. Just general, just like really, said, you know, just just so, so happy because, you know, it's a tough time. For Chelsea fans and I know again in the media people have kind of been deciding well yeah but in Ukraine it's a lot worse etc goes yes we know that but in terms of Chelsea fans it's still not been very easy and I think you know in general that felt a really really special moment today for the Chelsea fans so look so credit to Tuchel credit to these players they deserve a load of respect because, again, they have had to deal with a lot. And I mean, on Thomas too, as well, that guy's like that guy was at PSG and he probably thought it's not going to be that much more. But going to Chelsea <laughs> is probably like a drop, drop like drop in the ocean compared to managing at PSG. Boy was that man wrong. <laughs> Boy was he wrong because he is he's had to deal with a lot. But look, credit to him. I said he's he's just a brilliant, brilliant ambassador of this football club, brilliant coach of this football club. And yeah, we're so so lucky to have him. Uh, next question comes in from Dan Hill. Is this for coming of Kai Habits? Huge fan of his, as you both know. So we're now seeing the player we knew was there when he signed. Because RJ, again, like with Kyber's kind of a bit of miss, you know, this the narrative, and I guess it's proven by facts as well. he's more a second half of the season player. He tends to start seasons off slow. And his Chelsea career in general has been been it been an enigma, I think is, is a word to describe. Because there's been moments where you go, This boy is quality. He's got all the time in the world, and there'll be just moments where you're like, what is Kai Havertz? And it seems now, recently, certainly in the last month or two, we are really starting to see, you know, the, we are seeing probably the best form of Kai Habits' of Chelsea career. I think it'd be fair to say so. I guess, just your thoughts: is this, you know, the coming of Kai Habits? and are we now seeing the player we knew we could be when he when he signed for us?
1: Well, to Dan's question, I firstly, I certainly hope this is the coming of him because we've we've invested a lot of money in a promise, in a potential, in this high-flying prospect, and we've seen what he can do. In very very limited stints, but I think we've just we've been asking for some consistency, and we've been asking for that talent to be converted into end product. For me personally, what I've been looking for is just a bit more clarity. As how you so eloquently put it, Nick, it's what is Kai habits at times because sometimes I'm always you know coming from the perspective of it's nice to have positional versatility. But that sometimes can come at a price because when you do have that versatility, you're sometimes being asked to plug in the holes where the manager needs them plugged at times and that can come at the player's own detriment because of their versatility. But with Kai, I see because he can play on the right-hand side, he can play as an attacking mid, he can drop a little bit deeper. We all know just how wide-ranging his skill sets are. But ever since moving into that forward position, which (laughs) – ironically, is more because of circumstance rather than just him, you know, knocking the door down and demanding that he starts in that position. He's taken it with both hands. And I just hope that he kicks on from here. But then it opens up another question is, what do we do with that other expensive investment that we've put in that position? So I'm not going to commit here to say that he is our long term number nine, because I think that's being a little bit too narrow based on a very or a fairly short sample size of that good form, what I would want is that we see the same type of the actual effort and delivery on the pitch and when playing in that more advanced position, he, he really makes it count. But I also like the fact that he's not just a traditional number nine that stays in and around the box. He is someone that's willing to drop a little bit deeper, pull out a bit to the right, left, mix it up with his front three partners and ultimately, if he continues to do that, we will see the coming of him because there's no doubt that the money that we've spent on this, this young superstar is actually an investment rather than just a sunk cost because he does look like he is the real deal. Yeah, I'll get on to Dan's second part in a minute.
2: But the next question from Sham links into kind of what we discussed. And obviously, I know RJ kind of just said your view, so I'll give this one to Jack. Do you guys think Kyber has well and truly taken up that number nine spot now? So obviously RJ still wants you know to see a little bit bit more from him, I mean, that's not completely understandable. So we're we Kai judging here on, and certainly the Premier League only, three games where he scored in a row, which obviously clearly represents his best run. Trust form, but do you think Kai is well and taken up well and truly taken up at number nine spot now or four now? Is would that be better to, to phrase it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Four now, um, especially when you spent the hundred million on Lukaku, you. I don't know. You, you've got to give him some kind of opportunity between now and the, the end of the season. And if it doesn't quite work out, I can see us selling him at the end of the season, to be honest with you, for both parties. Um, but, yeah, for now, he's he's got to start. Um, you look at the next run of fixtures, and I know you alluded to it earlier, Nick, and said he's now scored six Premier League goals. And, yeah, we want him to be hitting those double figures when you look at our fixtures and you've got Brentford, Leeds, Southampton in your next three and for the rest of the season, we've got pretty good fixtures. Um, you want him to just kick on and keep, keep this uh, consistency going and really, yeah, pick up, pick up the form and, and just keep banging in the goals because we've got a few harder games towards the end of the season. And those are the games where he really needs to, to, uh, come up with the goods against the big boys because at the end of the day yeah, he scored three, three uh, in three games in a row but it's against Burnley, Norwich and Newcastle so I know we want to praise him and he has been quality but if you want to look at it from that point of view as well the level of opposition isn't the greatest so I think if he can score in these next few games and get that confidence up then obviously with the talent he's got He's obviously going to have a chance of of scoring against the big boys.
2: Yeah, but ultimately you can only you know score against who you're playing, and he has done. Mm-hmm. I said he does well, but I said if you if we again it's kind of it's a one thing that you know it's labelled a mount by a lot of people as well. But you know, look at the load of his goals this season, but against Norwich and Watford, etc. So <laughs> you know, I feel like people can do that. You know, people do it for Kai as well. So I do kind yeah. of get that. But ultimately, he's scoring goals and he's you know doing a job and he's winning us games of football. So that's three points he's won for us today. A crucial three points in you know. Who knows a potential top four race? So that credit to Kai and has said he's got to be starting for now. And look, if we're gonna, if say, if we saw like today, we saw play about four four at the back, and we saw sort of have two up top, almost a bit like what well, we have with you know, then that's an opportunity for him to start because I say this, and the, I, this I don't mean to bash Timo Werner, but I don't see the point of Timo Werner starting games for us. I don't get it. I just he did he doesn't really offer enough and I I don't I mean Rom didn't offer a huge amount when he came on but I don't think Timo Werner like justifies starting and I said he started against Norwich because I think Pulisic was injured and was was ill sorry uh, and didn't make the squad but then again I was still a bit surprised based off what we saw against Norwich to then see Pulisic on the bench but again maybe Pulisic just wasn't quite ready for, for tonight I mean it's a tough one to say but look if we're going to see different formation, if we're going to sort of see a two up top then I would love to see Rom and, Rom and Kai up top because I think we saw Roman Kai up top against Spurs in the league cup semi-final first leg, but I don't really think we've seen him up top since maybe there was a game club or cup. I don't know, but I don't think we've generally seen those two play together. I think we've seen Kai play, play with Timo in up top. And I bet said, I don't think Timo's offered much And Mounts form has been, you know, erratic for the last month or so. So it's a tough one. So, you know, I think we, Kai certainly, Kai certainly one of the first names on the team sheet, but I also, you know, think, you know, it might be an opportunity as well to see Rom. We'll move on to Dan's second question, because it was different. Um, I will ask who in the hierarchy would you like to remain at the club post-sale? Because obviously RJ, there's kind of a lot of talk, you know, new ownership coming in. Will Marina stay? Because she's obviously worked with Roman and Brambridge for ages. You know, there's a lot of talk. Will Pedacek stay? You know, I guess out of the current, you know, hierarchy, who would you, you know, would you who would you basically like to see stay?
1: Um uh- My answer would be it's not so binary or black and white because I think there is a time element to this question as well. So, And what I mean by that is, like with any good organisation, when you're taking over a fairly successful organisation, a basic playbook 101 is to not completely dismantle that hierarchy or that org structure because it's been working for a reason and people are at the core of that. So... In terms of who I'd I'd like to keep, to to be honest with you, initially I'd like to see most of the board and and also Marina and importantly, obviously, the uh, elephant in the room is we want to keep Tuchel in on the first team, Emma Hayes from the women's side because the women's side, for any prospective buyer, the women's game is is a hot button at the moment and we really need to focus on keeping that positive momentum in that space. And Emma Hayes is like the Thomas Tuchel for us, they're just equally hugely important assets that we must keep at all costs. But also from the academy point of view, which is, a, again, another lucrative angle for any prospective buyer. So people like Neil Bath, they are at the heart of that success. So the figureheads I would keep are your managers, your Emmers, your Thomases, your Neil Bath for the academy. So then we, we've locked down our, all of our talent, if you want to call it that. Then from the boardroom perspective, I can see why there would be a transition of the existing board for a new one to help suit the needs of the the next employer. But at the same time, people like Bruce Buck have got a lot of weight and standing in the Premier League community. So we should probably look to keep people like Bruce that have that influence during the transition phases and then maybe have a bit of a plan to have an orderly exit of people like Bruce until the new crew is selected, if that's what's deemed to be necessary. And I also think that's very much the same with Marina. Like we've got to remember, she won the that award recently for being the best director in football in the world, and make of her what you will. But she does have a very strong reputation in the community, and yes, she has those connections to Roman. But I think it's also important for us to recognise that Marina is, is her own entity. She's not Roman's, Roman's affiliate. She's Marina. She's her own successful person and been very important for us in recent seasons, not, not without fault, but for the most part, she's done a very good job. And like I said with the other three in terms of the talent point of view, I think that herself, Peter, Czech, Bruce and those three would be the ones I'd keep at least at this stage. Fair
2: enough, fair enough. Uh, final question. In an ideal world, say Roman quickly agrees to for Obviously, Roman, you know, has agreed. You know, certainly he's, he's only given the green light for, for Chelsea to be for Um, out of a speculated new ownership candidates, who would you like to see most as the new owner? Uh Dan, before I go on to this, I'll say this is a tough one because ultimately, while a lot of this has been going on, I haven't, you know, read too much about you know each of these new candidates. I've read bits. Um, you know, obviously I've seen I've seen like Brilliance of Twitter is you know, Todd Bowley, who people didn't know about a week ago. You now see him getting the fan, the Twitter fan cam uh, t- treatment, just posting clips of him uh, without audio, without him even speaking, just you know, with, with some cool background music on it. Um, but no, it, it's, it's interesting because obviously while I've been going, I'm just trying to get away and just enjoy my other interests because I said I don't really have a say in in who comes over. But I guess Jack, is there if out of the new ownership candidates, out of maybe what you've seen, what you've read, is there anyone you're sort of leaning towards at the moment?
0: Um, I guess when you hear someone like, is it Nick Nick Candy? I think it is. When yeah. you hear someone like that's got a season ticket, at Chelsea and's been a Chelsea fan since they were four, and sound from what it sounds like, sounds like they care about the club. He wants the fans to be involved in the club uh, going forward. You, I just think it's hard to look past someone like that because they'll put the fans' needs first and 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 the club as well. Um, but I guess if if someone if someone comes in with a shed load of money again, you you won't really complain at that. I just don't want, um, like some big kind of yeah, like American consortium to come in or something like that, and us turn into what Man United or Arsenal have been, where people yeah come in and just just don't really don't really get the club and and yeah make decisions for themselves rather than rather than the club first so i think that would be yeah a big uh, big disaster
2: Fair enough, fair enough. RJ, out of the prospective candidates and those have been, you know, and they said there's, you know, a Saudi, you know, media company as well that's now been thrown into the mix. So that would be very interesting to see, given who Newcastle owners <laughs> are, if, if, you know, if this, if this Saudi, you know, ownership passes the, the ownership test for Premier League, but is there sort of anyone out of like, you know, the prospective, you know, potential buyers that you, you know, heard of that you know, you'd like the sound of?
1: Just with Newcastle, don't worry about the moral ambiguity and that whole inconsistency chestnut. We're not interested. When it's Chelsea, it's just a whole different kettle of fish. Just focus on judging Chelsea on its own right. Don't worry about anybody else because, you know, who cares if it's Chelsea at the end of the day, right? But I just also wanted to say Jack made a, a nice little subtle dig at Manchester United and Arsenal at the same time <laughs> while answering the question. So fantastic work, Jack. I couldn't have put it <laughs> down myself. In terms of who I'd like, to be honest, I think it's important for the next person that comes in really being very clear about and hopefully packing it up with some guarantee around the motivation for wanting to come in because we're not just another investment. We're a club at the peak of its powers at all levels. Like I said, the men's team, the women's team, the academy, this is a bit – it's unlike other clubs where they've come and bought them with the the aim of trying to resurrect them. We're already fully resurrected. We're the world champions. We're the European champions. The club is amazing from top to bottom – Someone's just got to come in and keep nurturing that, make a few tweaks, strategically speaking, in terms of what's our future medium to long term transfer policy. But aside from that, we're a well oiled machine. So, what I'm hoping for is that the next owner comes in and realizes this club is at the peak of its powers. Let's invest in a new stadium or, or let's invest in our back the boardroom, back the academy, and really keep the good times rolling. So, in terms of who, that is, we have got mixed reports from the Saudi the Saudi media private group, as we've heard. We've got unique candies, like you said, a season ticket holder. So on face value, at least at the heart of it, they are interested fans, quote unquote. But that doesn't always translate to being the best person responsible for running a club. So it's, it's important to not conflate the two, but it's definitely a positive sign to have someone that genuinely wants to see the club succeed. And then there is the, the top bowl. is like we mentioned. And I watched a link of a speech that he gave that Dan Childs provided, actually. It was a very nice interview. And he seems like someone that's primarily driven to want to succeed as well. So that's, that's always a positive sign. But to me, I don't really want to speculate who looks the best until they put their money where their mouth is. I just hope it's someone, whoever it is, like, like Jack said, they're not treating us as just trying to help them win the balance sheet Premier League. We're trying to actually win football matches and trophies. Not that a lot of our competitors can say that as well as we have, but also someone that's less politically fragile or vulnerable. I don't want to be caught in a situation where someone is financially well off, but six months down the track, that someone's dug up some files that have put them in a really, you know, unfavourable position that puts a bit of strain on the club's image. We're really going through a sensitive time as it is. A lot of people, real people's livelihoods have been affected by these sanctions and we don't need any more instability for our club. In fact, that's exactly the opposite we need. We need long-term stability. So whoever can help us guarantee that, it's got my vote. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I so say it's still very
2: early days, and to sort of have like a really strong opinion on who you'd you prefer seems, you know, quite tough. So I said, Bowley is kind of, you know, seems. I said he he made an attempt to buy Chelsea in 2019, so the interest has been there a while, well, which again depends how you view it. Can be seen as a positive that he's, you know, interested in it. Again, you know, you hear good reports of the work that's happened with like the LA Dodgers, etc. as well. So there's, you know, again, a keenness to win. I said it's just a tough one because ultimately, as I kind of said last week with Jam. But whoever replaces Roman Abramovich is is very unlikely to love Chelsea Football Club and treat and run Chelsea Football Club like Roman Abramovich did because that was Roman Abramovich's child. That was like his child. That was his baby. His passion project. And to find someone cu- who comes close to the love that Roman has is going to be tough. So I think if if we if fans like accept that it's not going to be the same, realistically, it's not going to be as, it's not going to be quite as good. You know, if we be being really optimistic, it's not going to be quite as good, likely as it is. You know, currently with Roman. But if we have someone who has ambition, who has drive, who gets the club, then I think that's all we can ask for. Because as I said, Chelsea Football Club has said, winning is important, is part of this DNA. But there is a whole lot more to Chelsea Football Club, as we've seen, you know, and I said, unfortunately, due to, you know, being sanctioned, you know, people lost their jobs. I mean, again, you know, it's- sort of make fun of it chelsea's twitter lineup today you know that was a it seems like maybe the, the graphics whoever worked on that has unfortunately been uh been laid off because that was a very uh a cheap uh budget you know because someone just learned how to use photoshop type thing on the lineup graphics today so unfortunately we uh, kind of seeing small costs you know so ultimately just you know someone who just cares about the club completely because i said chelsea Field club is not just about what's on the pitch it's about off the pitch in the community all the great work we do there and it's just got to go to someone who you know will we'll love Chelsea for club and run it as best they can so in terms of you know front runs I don't you know really have you know a favorite I think the only person who I've not found is like, I suppose a New York Jets owner because again just look at anyone who you know watch the NFL or fan of the NFL, New York Jets are not very good at NFL they're not very good and their fans especially are particularly fans of of said of said person in charge who, who's potentially shouldn't us so uh, I guess we'll rule him out but others I think it, it's quite tough to say and we'll have to you know Find out more about about these parties say, and say on what's going on. So we can't really give like a concrete opinion because I said we don't know. We're, we're, this is basically an ever changing situation, and we're getting drip fed different bits of information. You're kind of seeing Matt, Matt Laws, you know, giving you, 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 you giving you sort of this this party, and then you've got Nizar Cantella giving you this party, and it's quite interesting. You're sort of seeing the two different uh, sides almost, you know, being out of it. And also, again, we've just got to wait and see because again, you know, a lot of this, a lot of these owners are happy to talk, and they're you know giving you same good stuff but is it always good if they're just saying all this stuff, you know, is it how much of it's PR we've got to actually kind of see them, you know, put, put their sort of money where their mouth is uh, to, to be honest. So we'll just have to wait and see. So it's, it's a tough one to answer who is the, the favourite candidate, but we've just got to just got to wait. And ultimately we've just got to hope that this situation gets sorted. So Chelsea do not enter administration. So we do not get this potential nine point deduction. So we do not have to worry about, you know, wages and losing players, but also so that, you know, the, Chelsea and all the staff there do not lose lose jobs because I said, there have been a lot of people affected by this and unfortunately there, there probably will be more and I said we've seen losing sponsors etc this is a tough situation and things may well get worse before they get better so I think ultimately in the meantime we've just got to hope that you know Chelsea and the club just can get sorted and hopefully the government can amend the, the license current licence for Chelsea are kind of operating under hopefully they can get that side in a new week so Chelsea can kind of op, try and get back to, to relative uh, normality so yeah it's it's a tough one overall but at the end of the day we've you know we as fans we've just got to hope is you know the people running the club of our best interest are and then we'll, all we can really do is just support these players on the pitch uh and you know look forward to what's head because i said we now go into next week you know another big week in the season we go to leal you know tuning love from that first like a brilliant chance to get you know to this uh get to the quarterfinals of the champions league and then we go to well middlesbrough in, in the FA Cup and fingers crossed, who knows, maybe the license will be sorted then so some more of our fans can actually go. I think only people on the away scheme have actually, you know, got tickets for it. So season ticket holders and members said you've not been able to, to buy tickets for that one yet. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, the license gets sorted, so we can get fans out there for Millsborough But in January it's just, you know, we've just got to just see what happens and just, you know, just exact just back these players, back Thomas Tuchel because I said Thomas Ducal's the best thing to happen at Chelsea football club for a long, long time. So just let, hopefully he can build something special and said this season is probably been the most Chaotic, crazy season, Chelsea season, but I can remember. And, you know, that's saying something because Chelsea seasons do tend to be crazy and chaotic, but this one probably tops tops of a lot i think all we're missing really now is kennedy to sort of have some instagram scandal like he didn't try pre-season tour to china a few years ago just to complete the set of chelsea missing chaos and controversy really but that's going to wrap it up for this week of that chelsea podcast i hope you enjoyed listening before we go as always i'll give our guest rj one last plug to tell people where they can find his work brilliant work of the ift pod exactly a group of chelsea united and arsenal fans so say if you're Chelsea and Arsenal fans you know I mean Arsenal fans probably aren't listening to this but you know you know things are things are quite good at, at Chelsea and Arsenal right now I'm less so for United but it's, uh, it's a good show so RJ why don't you tell people where they can find that? yeah thanks very
1: much Nick and Jack it's been an absolute pleasure and like you said the Chelsea roller coaster has been absolutely incredible I remember um, a couple of days ago Dan Charles reached out to me and said oh would you mind giving your perspective regarding what would you make of the recent situation and and when I thought about it, I, I think I wrote out, the article came out and I said something like, we've gone from being crowned world champions to winning football to being sanctioned. And I said, you can't even make this stuff up. The best Hollywood ride, could not come up with the most dramatic circumstances, but that's like we said at the start of the quad, it's just another normal week in the life of Chelsea. So, you know, soak it up and enjoy the ride. But in all seriousness, it's been taxing for a lot of people, but let's let's just hope we get a positive and swift outcome for those who have been affected just on, on and off the field. terms of where you can find my work, so my Twitter handle is at RJ underscore good things, and also I write for Talk Chelsea, mainly thematic pieces about month-to-month movements. But also I've been proud to announce that just in the last couple of days that I've been part of a series of writers that have written a book called Tales from the Shed End and it's basically a collection of 34 stories of Chelsea supporters and they've put into this book called Tales from the Shed End and it's being used to raise funds for the Stoll veterans as part of the the big Stanford Bridge Sleepout and that's going on, it's on Amazon now, just got released a couple days ago and it's via the CFC UK store and it's on Amazon, as I mentioned, or it's on gate17books.co.uk. So it's through Mark Worrell. You might have heard of him, Chelsea, legend, author. So that was a real privilege for me to be invited to give a contribution to that very important cause and developing that book. So apart from that, we're running the It's a Football Thing podcast, as, as Nick mentioned, and hopefully you can enjoy some of my work. But until then, I hopefully you can catch up soon. Yeah, no, it's always a pleasure with RJ. on I said, you know, brilliant work.
2: He's it's really nice to see, you know, him getting recognised. That he's also made a few appearances on Chelsea TV, which ain't too bad. And they said he's, you know, had Paul Canavil on his IAT show as well on that channel as well. So make sure you check out RJ, a top top guy. You know, a nice, just you know, he gets it. It's really nice, positive vibes. Just one of the top top guys on Twitter. One person we we're so sort of very lucky to have connected with. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter at Chelsea Pod, on Instagram at Chelsea Pod, on TikTok at Chelsea Pod. Need to try and you know put a bit more content out there just have a bit of fun with it uh and yeah just you know on all your usual podcast platform providers apple spotify etc leave us a rating review on apple on spotify you can rate our show give it five stars please that'd be be awesome just get people listening even if you don't think it's five stars just give it five stars Give the people it's definitely people five there. stars nick it's, it's actually six stars to be fair <laughs> exactly 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 rj you you know it you know it exactly so basically yeah play to anyone with a functioning pair of Es, please that'll be be very nice but uh, until the next episode everybody keep a blue flag fly eye
0: sports social podcast network